Hi, this is Edwin Crozier of the Franklin Church of Christ in Franklin, Tennessee. I want to welcome you and thank you for joining us as we study God's Word together today. The lesson you're about to hear, which was preached to the Franklin Church on August 17, 2008, is a little different from my usual lesson. Instead of examining a passage and giving you some conclusions about how you need to live, I just want to share with you the results of some recent study I've done on hospitality. I'm sure we all know and realize that hospitality is important, but do we really know what the Bible is talking about when it says hospitality? When I began this study, I was shocked to find out that what I understood to be hospitality wasn't what the Bible words meant at all. I hope you can use this lesson as a jumping-off place for your own study on this topic. So open your Bible, and let's learn about hospitality, the lost art of Christian service. This morning, I just want us to start with a little bit of a quiz. So I want you to put your thinking caps on. I'm about to give you a list of five or six things, and I want you to think in your mind. And if you've got the note pages, you can circle on your note page uh, on this list. And there could be more than one. Any of the things that you think on this list fit the definition of the biblical words translated hospitality. Now, the question is not, are these good works? The question is not, are these things that we should be doing and can be doing? The question is not, are they good things to do? The question is, which of these things actually mirrors the definition of what those words in the Bible translated hospitality mean? All right, you ready? First one. Donating food to a homeless shelter. Or going out to eat with someone. Taking someone to a restaurant. Having the local preacher over for lunch. Like I said, these are good things to do. Is it hospitality? Taking food to a potluck. Playing ultimate frisbee with your brethren. Paulette shakes her head. Putting the gospel meeting preacher up in a hotel. Again, the question is not which of these things are good things to do. They're all good things to do. The question is not which are things we can do. They're all things we can do. The question is, which of these things mirror the definition of the words in the Bible translated hospitality? I'll give you just a second to think about it. All right, you got it? This really wasn't fair. It's kind of a trick question because the actual answer is none of them. None of them actually go along with what the definition of the biblical words translated hospitality are. I've entitled this lesson, Hospitality, the Lost Art of Christian Service, mostly because of me. I hope that it's not been lost on you, but just because as I started to study this, I began to realize that I didn't even really know what the word hospitality in the Bible actually means. I guess I've just always kind of equated hospitality with spending time with your brethren. And so because of that, and because I go out all the time with people, we go out to eat all the time, I just really thought, man, I'm just a really hospitable person. You know, I'm involved in hospitality all the time. But as I began to study and took a look at what these words actually meant, I found out that maybe that's not the case. And that concerns me a little bit, because I think that perhaps we have lost what this word actually means. And when that happens, that's going to cause us a problem. Very interestingly, what what often happens is our terminology drives our doctrine. And that's why it's so important for us to speak where the Bible speaks, to be silent where the Bible is silent, and and use Bible terms to describe Bible things, and use Bible words in in Bible ways, because 
when we start changing words or when we lose the definitions of words, we, we end up losing the practices that we need to have. And basically what I found out is that, that I'm not actually as hospitable as I thought I was, at least not according to the definitions used in Scripture. And what I want to do this morning, instead of my usual sermon where I take a text and say, all right, here's the four lessons that you can learn, you know, draw some lines, here's how you're supposed to be living, go do this five times this week. What I want to do is just share with you what I learned. I don't want to draw any lines for you. I don't want to tell you how much you have to do it or or when you have to do it or where you have to do it. I just want to share with you the things that I discovered over the past couple of weeks as I delved into the Scripture about what hospitality means. And I hope that you, and I trust that you, I know we're all Bible students that want to serve God and do things His way, and that we can just take what the Bible says and then we can all apply it to our lives. That's what I want us to do this morning. Just real quickly, would you bow with me in prayer as we get started? Almighty God and Father in heaven, we praise you and we thank you for this opportunity to study your word. We're thankful for this opportunity we've had to praise you and edify one another. It's been so awesome this morning as we've been able to take some time and and really devote ourselves to what we're doing and not being worried about rushing through our our worship hour. But Father, we pray that you would be with us as we open your word, that all we'll do is just see what you have to say and that each of us will take it with us and apply it to our lives and become better servants. Help us to be more hospitable. Help us to be better servants. Help us to love and serve you as best we can. Thank you so much for loving us, Father. We love you. Through your Son's name we pray. Amen. Well, the first thing I want to do is is define what hospitality is. And all I'm going to do is share with you the things that I found on hospitality. I'm not really going to try to draw any conclusions. I'm just going to take here's what the definitions are. There's a couple of words that are used, specifically three words, that are used in our New Testament that are defined hospitality. And I just want to share with you those words, break them down, and take a look at how they're used throughout Scripture. The first one is phylloxenos. Phylloxenos. Now, I don't expect you to actually remember these words. I don't think that I'll remember them by this time next week. But I just want you to see them, and I want you to see where they're used. This word is used in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 2, and I'm reading from the English Standard Version. It says, Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach. We also see this word used in Titus 1.8, also talking about the elders, where it says the elders must be hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. It's used in one more place, and that's in 1 Peter 4.9, where it says that we're supposed to show hospitality to one another without grumbling. So those are the three places where this word... There's a similar word that's, that's based off of this word. It's just slightly different. We can almost say that these are, are the same, but it's a different form of it. Philoxenia. Which means to, which in Romans 12:13 is used, saying, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. And it's used in one other place in Hebrews 13:2, where it says, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. Now I do want you to point out. Notice I had this whole phrase in red, because this this word here isn't just where it says show hospitality. This entire phrase is the one translating this word. And I'll show you why here in just a moment. So we take these two words. We recognize that they're together. What I want you to note the most is that both of these words, forms of the same thing, are actually a combination of two words. They're compound words. They combine two different words and two different concepts. The first word is phileo, which is friendly affection. We've heard this word in those sermons on love when it talked about the different kinds of love, you know, agape and phileo. This is that friendly affection, or kind of a a brotherly affection. But what's really interesting is the other word here is xenos. That word means stranger. So, 
phileo, friendly affection, xenos, stranger. Basically, the literal definition of this word is to treat strangers the way you treat your friends. That's why in that Hebrews passage, that entire phrase, show hospitality to strangers, translates. It wasn't a special translation. It wasn't an exceptional translation. That's what it means. To treat strangers the way you treat your friends. There's one other word that is translated hospitality, and that word is xenodokeo. We find that word in one place in 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 10 where it talks about the widows who would be put on the roll. The church would be taking care of those widows in their daily ministration. And it says having the chance to have a reputation for good works, if she's brought up children, if she has shown hospitality, has washed the feet of the saints, has cared for the afflicted, and has devoted herself to every good work. I believe the King James Version there says instead of shown hospitality, it's lodged strangers is very interesting. If you've got the King James, that's what it says there. That's the only passage where this word is used, but I want you to notice once again, like those other words, this is a compound word. I bet you can already tell what the first half of it is. We've already seen it. That's xenos. Remember what that means? Stranger. The second half of that word comes from the word dekomai. That means to receive. And the way this, was wor- this word was used in the ancient times was not just it wasn't always just used to talk about receiving a stranger like, hey, how are you? But it was really the idea to receive a stranger into one's home. So, zeno dokeo, to welcome strangers into one's home. Now, I want us to dig just a little bit deep. Oh, wait a minute. I'm getting a little ahead of myself. Here you see these words. Phalazenos, phalazenia, to treat strangers the way you treat friends. Zeno dokeo, to welcome strangers into one's home. You might recognize from this or, or jump to a word that has made it into our English language. Anybody ever heard of this word? Xenophobia? You know what that word means? Okay, you probably think about it already because we know what phobia means, right? Phobia means fear, afraid. And we've already learned what xeno means, right? That means stranger. So this is a word that's actually made it into our English language. It means to fear or hate strangers, the hatred or fear of strangers. Basically, hospitality is the opposite of that word. Instead of fearing and hating strangers, we welcome strangers. We treat them like they're our friends. That's the concept we have here. I want to dig a little bit deeper and notice our own English word, hospital. Because you can tell that hospital comes from hospitality, right? Or hospitality comes from hospital, rather. And so as I was looking at this, I thought, well, how did that happen? How did, how did those words... And I found something interesting. I looked into the Oxford English Dictionary, and the word hospital originally didn't mean a place where people went and had surgery. It originally meant a house or hostel for the reception and entertainment of pilgrims, travelers, and strangers. So when the King James Bible was written and it said hospitality, they absolutely understood that word because it meant exactly what those Greek words meant, a place where we would welcome and entertain entertain pilgrims, travelers, and strangers. Just, I'll throw this one in for free. Hotel, hostel, those, this word hostel, not hostile, hostel. They all come from that same word. They're all together. It's just very interesting that hostel kind of today has the idea of, a, uh, of almost like a shelter. Hospital is a place for medical needs, and a hotel is a place where people just go and stay. They, they kind of separate in their meaning, but they all come from the same word. Hospital eventually came to mean, over a couple hundred years, a charitable institution for housing and maintenance of the needy. And, of course, now we use it as an institution for the housing and maintenance of the medically 
need. But just very interestingly, even our English word hospital, hospitality, originally conveyed that idea of welcoming, receiving, taking care of, feeding strangers. We'll keep digging and look a little bit more at these words. I, I want to notice the word xenos. It means stranger almost every place it's used, but sometimes it also refers to how you deal with the strangers. I just thought this was interesting. In Romans chapter 16 and verse 23, Paul says, Gaius, who is host to me, that's the word xenos, who is host to me and to the whole church, greets you. Now, I just want you to notice here, we're kind of getting into something that points out that while hospitality, while the words mean dealing with strangers, here he's the host to the congregation. Okay, so there's some connection between what we're doing together, and we're going to get around to that in just a moment. But I just found this very interesting. Then we look at that word dekomai. And I want you to notice how it's used in Scripture. We've got a couple of extra verses up here if you've got the note sheet, but there are a couple of them on your note sheet, so pay attention here. We've got Matthew 10:40. Whoever receives you receives me, and whoever receives me receives him who sent me. When Jesus was saying this, he wasn't just talking about whoever mentally assents to what you're saying. And we'll notice that as we look at a couple other verses. Notice this one. In Matthew 18 and verse 5, whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. Again, it's not just the idea of whoever likes this child, but whoever receives, whoever welcomes them to take care for them, take care of them and to care for them. We notice this passage in Luke 10 and verse 8. Now this one is the one that's very interesting. This one ties into that first passage in Matthew. Whenever you enter a town and they receive you, eat what is set before you. Did you notice that? When the apostles traveled to a town and somebody received them, that concept of reception there is not just they listened to what you said and they believed it, but it's talking about the people that received them. They came into town. Here are the people that took them in and cared for them. So when you go into a town and they receive you, you need to eat what's set before you. Isn't that interesting? The connection of the reception. Remember, this is part of that word zenodokeo that means to show hospitality. When they're showing you hospitality, he says, eat what's set before you. The connection there between feeding and the reception. Then in Luke 16:4. Now this is from the parable of the unjust steward. Do you remember the story? He had, he had messed up the finances, and so the boss was going to fire him. And he said, "I know what I'll do. I know what I'll do. I'll, I'll cut some of these bills down so that these folks will take care of me." And then here's what he said: "I have decided what to do so that when I am removed from management, people may receive me into their houses." You see that? The reception. And when he's talking about these folks who, remember, you know, they, they might owe $100 and he made them pay 50 The idea of receiving to the houses was not just that I could stop by for a visit, but he says, you know, if I take care of them, they'll owe me, and then when I'm destitute, I'll be able to go to them and they'll take care of me. They'll receive me into their houses. I can lodge there and stay there and they'll, they'll help me out. And then in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 31, this talks about Rahab. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the, to the spies. Some translations say she showed hospitality. Remember what she did with the spies. She didn't just say hi. She wasn't just the one who said, yeah, I'll be there with you. She brought them into her home. And then while they were in her home, you remember what she did? She protected them and helped them out. And so we see kind of these, these stages of the reception. Of course, as we look at this, this is going to leave us with the idea of which strangers. Now, obviously, hospitality is, is treating any stranger like your friend. Now, I, you could go pick up somebody off the street, and if you brought them into your home and you fed them, that would be hospitality. But one of the things I just want to share with you is that in the New Testament, this, this teaching about hospitality doesn't seem to mandate the idea that just every day I have to just go pick up anybody off the street 
and feed them in my house. There's always a connection when we see this exemplified in the New Testament. Most often, it's a connection of brotherhood in Christ. just want you to notice in 3 John, verses 3 and 6, John wrote, For I rejoiced greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth. Beloved, it is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are. So the idea was there were some brothers that had come, and, and the folks didn't know them. All they knew is that they were brothers in Christ. They were strangers to them, but they still treated them well. They showed hospitality to them. They, they were strangers that they took care of. Here's another passage in Matthew 25, 35. I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. That's the hospitality. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. But we keep reading and we notice in verse 40 that what Jesus says, Truly I say to you, as you did it to the least of these, my brothers. So this is talking about the relationship of brothers and sisters in Christ. They they were strangers. They didn't know each other, but they knew they were brothers and sisters in Christ. And so they gave them food. They they helped them. They, They shared with them. And they not just gave them food, not just gave them drink, but they were a stranger and they welcomed him. I mean, the fact is, if, if I just go and give food to a homeless shelter, that's a good thing to do. If I find somebody and give them some money, that's a, that's a good thing to do, but that's not really the hospitality. The hospitality is the stranger that I'm welcoming, that I'm receiving. Okay, that's just a very, uh, that's hard for me to grasp sometimes, because like I said, for me, hospitality is basically meant just spending time with people. But it's, it's really, that's, it's a little bit deeper than that. We'll keep reading in Acts chapter 16 and verse 15. This is about Lydia, remember? After she was baptized in her household as well, she urged us saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. You know, here, uh, Paul had come into Macedonia and he had no place to stay. He was a stranger. Lydia had only met him that day, but he had taught her. And this is very much in the spirit of Galatians 6.5, which points out that, that the one who has been taught should share in all good things with the one who is doing the teaching. And that's exactly what she's doing. She's been taught and now she's sharing in her good things with the one who did the teaching. But Paul was a stranger and she brought him into her house along with those with him. Then we have in Acts chapter 10 and verse 6. And I, I wanted to go ahead and show this word. This is Zenitso. You'll notice that that ties in with the word Zenos that we had. Again, I don't expect you to remember all these Greek words. I just wanted to make the connection while we're talking this morning. Talked about when Cornelius saw his vision, vision the angel said, go get Simon Peter. He is lodging with one Simon a tanner whose house is by the sea. See, that zenos, that stranger, that host word, he's lodging. But there was the connection of, of brotherhood. But this is the one that amazed me. In Acts chapter 10 and verse 23, when those two messengers get to Simon the tanner's house, they don't deliver their message and Simon says, okay, y'all, there's a hotel down the road. Hope you can stay there. Instead, He invited them in to be his guests. Notice, this is a connection to that word that we've already been talking about. See, there's a connection there. This is that hospitality. But there was a connection. He didn't just go out on the street and find anybody and bring them in. These were messengers that had come to get Peter, and there was that connection. And then finally, Acts... Oh, I forgot to change the verse on that one. Some of the disciples from Caesarea went with us, bringing us to the house of Nason of Cyprus, an early disciple with whom we should lodge. This is when Paul in Acts chapter 21 is, is going to Rome. It's hit the wrong button. I'm having a tough time this morning. Anyway, some of the disciples from Caesarea went with us, bringing the house of Nathan, with whom we should lodge. That's that hospitality idea. But again, the strangers, what, we, what I want us to note from these verses is this concept of strangers. The Bible is not mandating some idea 
of us just going out and any time they can harry off the side of the road that we pull in and we have to do that. Again, that would be hospitality. But as we see it exemplified, what the Scripture is talking about is individuals receiving folks into their home, lodging. I want to take a quick break here and, and just make a practical point. Something that, that concerned me. And I want to be careful how I say this because I, I don't want to be misunderstood and I don't want to make any unwarranted accusations. But as I was studying this, there was something that concerned me as I thought about what it said. You know, 50 years ago, if we had a preacher coming in for a gospel meeting, he would never be put up in a hotel. He'd be put in somebody's house. But as we have become more prosperous and more wealthy and we've given more money to the congregation and it has more money, it's becoming more and more the case that when a meeting preacher comes in, we just put him up in a hotel. Now, I'm not saying that's wrong and that's not bad. It's a good thing. We are providing for him. We're taking care of his needs. But I just want us to recognize there's nobody being hospitable when that takes place. Nobody is showing hospitality to that preacher when that takes place. Because hospitality is not throwing money at something. Hospitality is not saying, I've got enough money to put you over there. Hospitality is sacrificing of myself to bring them in to where I am, to receive them into my home. I just want us to think about that. Again, I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm not saying that it's, that it's a bad thing. I'm just, I just want us to understand. Nobody's being hospitable when we pay some money to put somebody up in a hotel. Because hospitality is about receiving them to ourselves. Okay. But what about each other? I'll be honest with you. The reason why I wanted to preach this lesson today is because we've made this change with our assembly. My thought was one of the great things this is going to do is this is going to produce more hospitality among the brethren. And so I wanted to preach this great lesson this morning about how here's a great opportunity in Sunday afternoons now that we're not worried about having to get the kids to bed and get back by 5 o'clock, that, that we can have people into our homes and we can spend time with one another and we do things together. And I was going to preach that lesson. Then I started studying and found out, wow, I'm, I'm, I don't really know what hospitality is. And, and for a moment I got to a point of thinking, well, I need to talk about us doing things together, but that's just not hospitality. But, but then it dawned on me. If the word, I'm going to show you two things. If the words translated hospitality mean to treat the strangers the way we treat our friends, what does that mean about the way we treat our friends? I mean, we're supposed to be doing this with our friends, right? In fact, that word assumes that that's what we're doing. It doesn't encourage us to do that with our friends because it assumes that's what we're doing with our friends. And if we should receive strangers into our home and feed them and lodge them and care for them, how much more should we be doing that for one another because we are friends? You see the point? But then there was also this part. And I found out that apparently even in Bible days, folks had trouble not only with hospitality towards strangers, but the way they related to one another. Because in 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 9, you remember what Peter said, show hospitality to one another. And so Peter does bring it home now to us. The word itself means to, to care for and feed and lodge and receive strangers. But what Peter pointed out is that this is what we should be doing for one another. We should be receiving one another into our homes, feeding one another, caring for one another, especially in times of need. Well, got a little bit more to say here about hospitality, but just regarding the definition. I've just shared with you the verses that I found, the definitions that I found. I hope that this will prompt you to study on your own what it means and, and how you need to apply it. But I want to shift gears here a little bit. I just want to talk about how important is hospitality. How important is this? You know, it's not like we're back in the, 
in the first century when they didn't have hotels. That's what I've heard some people say. All oh, times have changed. Back then they didn't have hotels on every corner like we did. And they didn't have debit cards so they could take money with them. And, and they needed this kind of care a lot more. And there's probably some truth to that. But I just want you to notice how important the Bible treats hospitality. In 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 2, we've already noticed earlier when we saw where the words were used, that an overseer, not only must be above reproach and the husband of one wife, not only sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, but he must be hospitable. And then in Titus chapter 1 and verse 8, the overseer must be hospitable. Brethren, think about what this means. This means that you cannot possibly be considered a mature Christian unless you show hospitality. You know, brothers, when we start talking about being an elder one day, we argue tooth and toenail about what it means to be the husband of one wife. We argue tooth and toenail about what it means to have faithful children. But what about this one? Hospitality. The reception of folks into our homes. Paul says, you're not hospitable. You're not a mature Christian. You're not qualified to be an elder. So brothers, if we're ever going to be elders, this is something we've got to be doing. Our family has to be involved in this. But sisters aren't left out because in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 9 through 10, let a widow be enrolled, having a reputation for good works if she's brought up children, has shown hospitality. Now this may not seem quite as important to us today because now we have Social Security and now we have pensions and now we have retirement. And, and so it's just very easy to say that, well, you know, uh, I don't need that hospitality as much. But sisters, what this was saying is that if you ever were widowed and not able to care for yourself anymore, if you hadn't shown hospitality when you were able to, the church was not allowed to put you on its roll. That's how important it was. In Matthew chapter 25, verses 34 through 35, Come, you who are blessed by my Father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. But in contrast, we have the folks that didn't welcome the stranger. Depart from me, in verse 41. You cursed into the eternal fire. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you didn't welcome me. Now, here's one passage that demonstrates the difference between folks that go to heaven and the folks that go to hell. And it doesn't say you were baptized so you go to heaven, but you weren't baptized so you go to hell. It doesn't say you took the Lord's Supper only on Sunday and every Sunday, but so you go to heaven and you didn't, so you go to hell. It doesn't say you worship without instruments, uh, so you go to heaven and you worship with instruments, so you go to hell. Now, all those things are part of the pattern, and I'm not saying they're unimportant. I just am amazed that in one passage where it says these folks are going to heaven, these folks are going to hell, and the thing that it brings up is hospitality. Now, I don't know about you, but as I was studying, this, this passage kind of scared me. You know, what I want to do with it is figure out why it doesn't really apply. But there it is. And then we have Luke chapter 7, a passage that interests me, verses 44 through 47. This was the time when Jesus went into Simon the Pharisee's home, and the sinful woman came in. And now Simon had invited him into his home, so there's a measure of hospitality. But when Jesus rebuked him, everything he rebuked him for had to do with the extent to which he was hospitable. Yes, he brought Jesus into his home, but he didn't care for him. He wasn't there to serve him. In fact, he said... I entered your house, Simon, you gave me no water for my feet, but she's wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she's not ceased to kiss my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. She demonstrated her love through hospitality, through service and care. Simon didn't. She was forgiven. Simon wasn't. You think this is important? 
It all goes back to the root in Galatians 6, 9, and 10 where it says, Let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we'll reap if we don't give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are of the household of faith. This is what we're supposed to be doing. What hinders us? Just briefly, I want to share with you some things that I think hinder us from hospitality. Or have hindered me, I guess I should say. You have to be the judge of you. But the first thing is hospitality is sacrifice when we want to preserve. Hospitality means giving up my house, my room, my food, my bed. That's hospitality. And that's sacrifice. When what I so often want to do is preserve things. I want to keep them to be mine, and I I want to hoard them. But hospitality means sacrifice. You know, it's no surprise that Romans 12, 13, where it says, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality, comes on the heel of verse 1. In Romans 12 and verse 1, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, present your bodies a living sacrifice. Hospitality means sacrifice. Hospitality means serving when we want service. And that's one of the reasons, I guess taking somebody out to a restaurant is, is leaning towards hospitality if you're paying for it because you are sacrificing of your needs. But hospitality means service. It doesn't mean being served. If we want to practice hospitality, we need to live by the principle in Matthew chapter 20 and verse 28 that Jesus walked by. We need to walk in his footsteps where it says that the Son of Man has come to serve, not to be served. And, of course, the problem with that is that takes humility when we want honor. There in Luke chapter 7, Simon the Pharisee, what kept him from from humbling himself before Jesus and, and being the kind of hospitable person he needed to be? It was his pride. He wanted the honor. He wanted to stand up and say, look at how good I am. And Oh, look at that woman. You know, if he knew who she was, he wouldn't let her touch him. But she had the humility, extreme as it was, How many of us want to crawl around on our hands and knees crying on somebody's feet and wiping their feet with our hair? Hospitality doesn't equal having to do that. I'm I'm just trying to demonstrate the picture of humility. 1 Peter 5 and verse 5 says that we need to clothe ourselves in humility toward one another. Hospitality means humility. Hospitality means vulnerability when we want protection. That passage in Acts chapter 10 and verse 23, like I said earlier, that's the one that's, that's kind of amazed me the most. Because here are these two messengers from Cornelius that have come to talk to Peter. And Simon, Simon says, y'all come on and stay in my house. He didn't know them from Adam's off ox. He, he, didn't, he didn't know them. It made him vulnerable. What we want is protection. We want preservation. We want to put that box and nobody can come into our personal space. The fact is, when we practice hospitality, things get broken. The fact is, when, when we practice hospitality, uh, our carpet gets dirty. The fact is, when we practice hospitality, people take advantage of us. You can ask Jonathan, when you practice hospitality, your fence gets broken, right? Yeah. Ethan will have to pay for that one day. But it makes us vulnerable. I'm not saying you do stupid things, but hospitality will make you vulnerable, and we need to do that, make ourselves vulnerable. And finally, hospitality means intimacy, when what we want is privacy. We're Americans. We're independent. My house is my castle. It's my sanctuary. It's the place I go to get away from it all. I don't want you coming in there and messing it up. 
you know, if, boy, if I had, if I had a room with a private bathroom where they could just stay back there, then I'd be hospitable. But we, we all need our privacy. And obviously there's some privacies we need. But the point is, is that hospitality equals intimacy. It means being together. It's no wonder that hospitality is linked with love. There in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8. In 1 Peter 4, verse 8, Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another. Hospitality is about love. It's about intimacy. And so that means there's going to be a sacrifice of privacy. We know what love is. In 1 Corinthians 13, and verse 5, love does not seek its own. So some practical ways to be hospitable. Here's just a list. You ready? Just some things you can do. You can probably think of some more. But you could let a visiting preacher stay in your home. Philip Shoemaker's going to be here in a month and a half or so. Who's going to let him stay in their home and be hospitable to him? Be the visiting preacher, especially in your home. I'm not saying that you can't take the visiting preacher out to, out somewhere and pay for it. That would be okay. That's fine. That's a good work. I just want us to realize that that's, that's not hospitality. And that's okay. We don't have to do hospitality every day. Just making sure we understand what hospitality is. Invite assembly guests to your home for a meal. And he's traveling. And instead of them having to go out and pay for it, let them come over to your house and eat with you. Invite new members into your home. They're still strangers, folks who are new that we don't know. Invite them into your home. Lodge family members of your friends. You know, one of the things I regret as I, as I uh, thought about this lesson was a few months ago when we went down to Louisiana because of, of Marita's dad's sickness and, and when he died, there were families that invited us to stay in their home. And, and we thought, oh, no, 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 we don't want to do that. And, and we paid for a hotel. Of course, it caused us all kind of financial turmoil. But here were people that were offering hospitality, and we didn't let them. But what, what a great opportunity. Somebody has a family member die, and they've got all kinds of family coming in. Instead of those people having to stay in a hotel, well, invite them to stay with you. I mean, it'll be their choice. They may say, no, I want the hotel. That's, that's up to them. But at least we've offered the hospitality. If somebody has family coming in, they can't all fit in their house. Why not, why not lodge them? If Christians are traveling, and you, you, know, you know about it, let them stay with you. That's hospitality. Or lodge brothers and sisters when they're in need. Now, this, this may not happen quite as much for us because we're all so well off, but there might be times when brothers and sisters need a place to stay. We can bring them into our home. First Peter chapter 4 and verse 9 says, Show hospitality one another without grumbling. Now again, as I said, I, I didn't want this sermon to be, here's the five things you have to do, and I'm going to draw the lines and tell you all this stuff. I just wanted to share with you what I found in my study, and I hope it's a starting place for your study on hospitality as we grow together to be better servants of God. I certainly hope this lesson edified you and glorified God. Let's remember that God has encouraged us to show hospitality to one another without grumbling. That means we're going to have to learn to sacrifice, to serve, to humble ourselves, to make ourselves vulnerable, and to learn to open up to others. If you have any questions about this lesson or if you have any spiritual needs or prayer requests, please feel free to call us at 615-794-2359 or you may contact us through our website at franklinchurchofchrist.com. Also, if you're ever in the Middle Tennessee area, feel free to be our guest at any of our assemblies or classes. You can find directions and a schedule at our website. Again, that's at franklinchurchofchrist.com. We look forward to meeting you. May God richly bless you as you draw closer to him. More importantly, may you richly bless God.